rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. That's what they always say, John. I don't know if you knew that. Fucking but, uh, hate that song. I don't, but I do. It's a it's a love hate relationship. I used to like song. it. Now I don't. But I want to welcome everybody to another episode of First Hunter of the Day. I'm Sean P. And here again is John Hunter. And uh, John, <laughs> what's up? We'll take this sip. Gotta say, first one of the day. God knows I need it. Oh yeah. That's delicious. I'm drinking a Southern Tier New Juice IPA over here. I'm drinking a Monster Energy. <laughs> oh, we've got to get the energy up. I brought the variety pack. I have, uh, what else do I got here? I have the uh, Lakeshore Fog from Southern Tier. Also, the live session and uh, eight days a week. So uh, if, I I get know. All, if I get through all of them during the podcast, I'll let you all, I'll let everyone know what I think of them. Obviously, this new juice is pretty good. It's kind of my go-to when I'm drinking a Southern Tier. I don't know why when you said like the fog one, it reminded me of the band Fog Hat. Probably because it had fog Slow in it. ride. Oh yeah, you right. Hey, you right. <laughs> Slow ride, take it right easy. And then yeah. that song reminds me of what's it called? Um, Dazed and Confused. Fucking love that movie. I'm surprised when you were talking about the beer name and mentioning a song eight days a week, which is happens to be my favorite Beatles song. I eight see. I I like week. this song, but the concept of it upsets me. What's the concept? Just eight days. There's a week. only seven days in a week. Come on. Are you one of those 110 percent guys? <laughs> oh, hate, I fucking I hate, hate that. But you can't. You can't. You can't give more than. You can't give more you than hundred percent. <laughs> if I, if found, I'm a coach and a player says a... to me, if, "Listen, if if the the co- if I'm a player and a coach says to me like, coach, I'm gonna give you hundred ten percent," I said, "Guess what? You're off the team, bud." Because <laughs> well, you just lied to me. Hey, that's one. Of, that's a good quote uh, from the movie Miracle. Uh, when they're doing the tr- after he uh, made his team at the tryouts, he said, "If you give me ninety nine percent, you've made my job easy." Because he's saying if you don't give 100%, you're done. You give 99%, you're done. Oh, you're off. Get out them of the dogs. So if he feels like you're giving 99%, you just made his job easy. He's going to cut you. He doesn't even have to think about it. It's great. Oh, Miracles are probably one up there with the all-time favorite movies, too. That good old Herb Brooks. Russell I'm a big Kurt Russell fan. Yeah, Kurt Russell. Yeah. There's another thing. You thought it was confused. Russell I, I don't. I didn't think it was. I get their names confused a lot. Kurt Russell and Russell Crowe. Do you get them confused with uh? I don't get Demarcus their movies. Russell? I don't get their movies confused. Just the, just their names. It's just in the name. Anyways, but uh, so getting on topic a little bit here in this episode, we're gonna be talking uh, really just about music, but we're gonna it's gonna be a classic rock episode mostly. It's probably gonna venture off into other things, but. Um, what made me think of it is that today, uh, we're recording this on September 29th, uh, is, uh, was it 43 years ago today, uh, the Stranger album by Billy Joel was released, released September 29th, 1977. Piano Man guy. Piano Man guy, Billy Joel, even though Piano Man's not on that album, but. I know. I just I I know who I know who Billy. Yeah, forty three years ago today it was released, and 
the Stranger album is probably Billy Joel's best album. It's one of my favorites. I love Innocent Man. It came out in 83, 84. That's always been probably one of my top favorite uh, Billy Joel albums. And as, as you know, John, everyone else might not know, but I am probably one of the top tier, upper echelon, biggest Billy Joel fans uh, anywhere on this side of the galaxy. Hey, you got the resume to back it up, too. I got the resume and I got the references. And I have a few uh, contacts you can call to verify that as well if you needed that. But uh, there's pretty, you got you got a banner that for proof. Yeah, I got a rap sheet. I've been to ten Billy Joel performances, three different cities. Most I've seen most of them at Madison Square Garden. That's the only place to see it. Saw a couple in Pittsburgh and one in Cleveland. Um, I've seen none. Isn't it weird that I've seen like more than double? the amount of con- Billy Joel concerts in New York and then I have in like the city I live in. <laughs> um, not really. Really. If you look into it further, cause you live in obviously the Pittsburgh area, they have really fucked up tax structure. That's why a lot of bands just, uh, don't a lot come. of bands. Yeah. Don't come through because I don't want to deal with like getting ripped off. Yeah. Pearl Jam has been here since like, gotta love the government. Yeah. Oh, I gotta love this government. Anyway. But yeah, so that was a pretty interesting Stranger album. And, and uh, we were talking a little bit before the show and just going down the track listings for that album. And uh, if you don't like, if you don't know, uh, now you know. A, a lot about Billy Joel, uh, you've heard mm, probably a good 10 to 15 of his songs. But uh, the Stranger albums would really turned uh, Billy Joel into a star, from a star into a superstar, into at his time one of the uh most successful and most famous artists but uh he had moving out on it the stranger just the way you are scenes from italian restaurant vienna only the good die young which is uh only the good die young and piano man are probably the two most famous billy Joel songs that and uptown girl uh also that's 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 the one song i got a love hate relationship i really used to like it but now i don't but i still do (laughs) The last three songs on uh, is She's Always a Woman, Get It Right the First Time, and Everybody Has a Dream on The Stranger. And uh, I was telling you earlier that I went to uh, the record store a little bit ago, and uh, I was looking at their vinyls, and they had, like, you know how they, like, reprint, like, vinyls now? Like, you can get pretty much any album on vinyl. They yeah. They have, like, they even have, you know, like, Taylor Swift songs coming out, like, on vinyl and shit. So they like reprinted the stranger. Uh, it was probably printed like in 2018, and then they had an original stranger, and uh, you know the lettering was a little bit different. Uh, obviously, the photo and the album cover was more faded and everything on the uh, original one. And you goddamn right, I took the original one over the new yeah. one. Yeah, I got a lot of original pressings. I got them like a strange way. I was. Uh... In high school, I worked this roofing job with my uncle, and it was for this like these uh, this couple got divorced, and she kicked the husband out. He was cheating or something, I don't know. And she was throwing <laughs> all of his old shit at the dumpster and like all of his records and everything. So I got like original fucking like Led Zeppelin albums, um, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, 
uh, Rumors, Fleetwood Mac, just like a whole stack, like right. a couple Beatles, like the White Album. Like, dude, it was like she really must have been pissed at this dude. Hey. I think the White Album was probably my favorite Beatle album. Uh, yeah. A lot of people yeah, would say Sgt. Pepper, but I like the White Album. Or a lot of would say Abbey Road. But Abbey Road is really just famous because of the the cover. I mean, it's famous because it's the Beatles. But Yeah, and there's good songs in it. But like, if you're going overall albums, probably the White Album. Yeah. You really can't go wrong. You don't like, you don't like your favorite isn't Rubber Soul? No. Or Help. <laughs> the Help soundtrack. Help. I need somebody. <laughs> We're bringing back the Beatles. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we, I don't dig them up. Dig uh, them up. There's a the radio station in New York and New Jersey. The classic rock to, station. I was just trying to get to listen. I was just trying to Google something about Billy Joel, and I just typed it in. And I was like, "Why is it auto correcting it?" And it's I typed in Bill Joel, and it just looks ridiculous. Like <laughs> type that out for a second, Bill Joel. William. You listen Joel. to that. You Willie listen to that Joe. Bill Joel. <laughs> just call him Willie Joel. Willie. Billy Joe Armstrong. All right, so I, I just looked something up because you said so. Forty-three years ago, nineteen seventy-seven, the year of uh, Star Wars. Uh, I looked up the Billboard Top One Hundred uh, from nineteen seventy-seven. Do you know what song uh, ended up at the top at the end of the year there? In seventy-seven. Uh... So it wouldn't be the album, but it'll be singles like the oh, top so one hundred singles. singles. I was gonna say I. I'd, you aren't gonna get it. I didn't. I wasn't gonna no, get this. I, but I was gonna say I don't. I was because I was thinking that the e, the Eagles' uh, greatest hits either came out in '77 or '76. I think. I can't tell you. But um. Ta- uh, well, Hotel California is on the chart of that number nineteen. Damn. That's the highest one for the Eagles. '77. The number one song. I'm just gonna go off from the Stranger album, so I'll go only the Good Die Young. Uh, let me see if it's even charting on here. Well, hold on. Is it on this day in '77? Because it's not going to be number one. No, it was. It was for the whole year. Uh, oh, well, so it was le- released in September. So let me change that. So it wouldn't be for the whole year in September. Um, I don't know. I wish I could just have a. It, it doesn't matter. Like, right, so did Margaritaville come out in '77? Say Margaritaville. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's four. That's fourteen. That's really? Four, that, was, that was smart. Yeah, that was Damn. smart. Forty-nine. No. All right. It's well, tonight's the know. night. Gonna be all right by Rod Stewart. Jeez Louise. Was it Maggie May? <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I would have never have gotten that. Hey, now you know. There's- there's some random ones on here. I just want to be your everything by Andy Gibb. Best of love, best of my love by the motions. That's a good I think one. Rich girl by Holland Oates also came out in '77, I believe. All right, There's let me check and see if it's on. Yeah, I, that's I, I number actually, twenty-three. You're very really, familiar with 1977. No, I really am. because that, that date really just. I I'm not even gonna lie. I could probably rattle off like a whole bunch of. I know Foreigner came out with an album '77. Uh, Steve Miller Band came out. Uh, in 77 with uh whatever the hell it was whatever hey number 21's from a movie that came out in in 77 i don't know what is it they're all (laughs) a lot of the the, movies the theme from rocky gonna fly now oh i thought i was eye of the tiger wouldn't that be the theme of rocky no that i had tiger wasn't until the third one do you want to know a secret 
Yes. I never watched a full Rocky movie. Dude, I've seen parts in, in most that's of them insane. all. Dude, you seem like the type of person that would love Rocky. I don't really like Philadelphia. <laughs> it's not about Philadelphia, though. Um, yeah. There's a... Let's I see think... some other random... I, uh, Steve, Fly Man Like for... an Eagle by Steve Miller Band. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Steve Miller Band came out. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Were you starting to say Manfred Mann's Earth Band? Yeah. Yeah, they they got 36 with Bond by the Light, which was written, written by your boy from your, yeah, from your home. Yeah, it was the first track on uh, Welcome to Asbury Park, his first album. Or Greetings They're from, Mas- <laughs> Greetings from Manfred Park. Manfred Mann's ver- version's better. Oh, yeah. Fleetwood Mac Dreams. Yeah, it's a good Did, one. Uh... Did rumors come out in uh, 77 also? Damn, 77 was a big year. I know. It was a good. There's a lot of them. I think Bob Seger. No, I think Night Moves was 77. I don't remember. I think Crazy how the Night Moves. Night Moves, might, I think, was 77. I don't know. I love Ooh, another Seger, another great one here, Things We Do For Love by 10CCs. <laughs> the Things We Do For Love. Yeah. Anyways, we can go all night with that damn list. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. But yeah, so oh yeah, Night wait, moves so wait, was 50, so which one? What was number was one? What was number one for the year 1977? The Nights, the Night, uh, Rod, Rod Stewart. Stewart. That is so surprising. Yeah. See these lists, you can't even. I mean, you ha- literally you have to like. Is that that just goes to show like how much music changes like throughout the years? Like I'm sure in 77, 78, you people would probably be like, oh yeah, that absolutely that had the most airtime, but like. Looking back now with all these other songs that you see like on a list like that, uh, it's like, how? This song doesn't even stack up. Because I guess some songs just don't stand the test of time. Case in point, uh, Drake Hotline Bling, you know how that was everywhere and like being played 24-7. You probably will not hear that song again played in public anywhere ever again. And that's just a fact. That's going to be the problem with modern music now is all these trash songs that people release, they have no legacy. There's going to be no lasting impact. Okay, so now that we looked it up, so all of the awards for the Stranger album, uh, it missed the deadline for 77, so all the awards, they were eligible for 78. So the Stranger album by Billy Joel won the record of the year in 78 and song of the year with Just The Way You Are. Uh, And it also had... um, Four singles that were released off of it, and all of them were in the top 40, 100 Billboard charts, uh, which were Just the Way You Are at number three, Moving Out, and She's Always a Woman, which both were at number 17, Only the Good Die Young, which peaked at 24. Okay. Yeah. And the other songs on that were Scenes from Italian Restaurant in Vienna, which are huge songs, especially live. Like, you can't go to a live concert uh, without him playing Scenes from Italian Restaurant, and... uh those are some type of songs that they became famous over the years from his live performances. So the, like I said, this album was just huge in '77. Huge, 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 yeah. huge. It, it, it was his breakthrough. Uh, also, John, uh, with uh, "Stranger," it was the first album that Billy Joel uh, did with producer Phil Ramone. Bill Bill Joel. Bill Joel did with Phil Ramone. <laughs> And Phil Ramone is probably one of the most famous and most prolific 
producers in the music industry ever. Uh, he's, he's a legend. He's worked with, uh, you know, Elton John, Quincy Jones, The Carpenters, Chicago, Madonna, Rashida Jones, Barry Manilow, Paul McCartney. He's worked with everyone. He's literally worked with everybody. He worked with Rod Stewart, Frank Sinatra, James Taylor. He uh, he also was the uh, one that filmed and uh, he recorded uh, Marilyn Monroe's Happy Birthday, Mr. President to JFK as well. Not a lot of people know that. That that won any awards? I don't know. It's one of the most famous, like, creepy probably performances. Gave, probably gave the president a boner. Absolutely, it did. <laughs> Didn't he get shot in the head? Yeah. His brain is still missing. Sometimes it do be like that. Also, Phil Ramone, this is interesting too, uh, that I read about him earlier, that Phil Ramone was one of, is like, pretty much credited with pioneering the CD. So like the compact disc, he, he was like, the guy that was like pushing for that and didn't invent it, but. Do you like CDs? Yeah, I like CDs. CDs nuts. Oh, got him. Also, he pretty much invented uh, surround sound at mo- in movie theaters. That's I I fucking appreciate that. Isn't that crazy? That, yeah, like, hey, a guy did thanks. that. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate you, buddy. That's <laughs> crazy. Some of the things you think about, it's like, how do people come up with that? You know, like um, I don't know a good way to say it. it's just like type of invention that you take for granted and it's like I don't know something like huge but at some point it wasn't it wasn't there like you don't think about surround sound audio but there at one point wasn't right. like who would thought like maybe let's switch the mono tracks to stereo tracks and we're gonna have this sound all around you like wait what <laughs> this guy's crazy just one of those things but yeah he uh I, billy jewel went on to work with uh phil ramon for years uh at, like, over a decade they worked together and he was sort of driving force behind a lot of billy jewel's records columbia records also you know what's interesting about billy jewel he didn't own any of his songs up until i think it was like 1989 or something like that uh because... dude that's the the music industry is crazy with that you yeah. have to yeah, and it's like actually taught in a lot of like college level uh, like law classes when they're talking about contracts because he signed this like abysmal contract with his original record company and uh, didn't read it at all. And his managers literally took all his money. And then uh, later on, his uh, wife became his manager and stole his money as well through a divorce as well. Um, so, which which wife was it? His first one. As it wasn't. Um, it, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Christy. <laughs> yeah, why can't I think of Chrissy Brinkley? Yeah, no, it wasn't her. But um, also, I can't, you know what's interesting? Do, am I remember this wrong? Did he one time drunk drive his own car into his, his own swimming pool? He might have. I don't. Uh, probably. I don't want to put any fake facts out there. I'm a fact check myself here. Uh, he didn't quite make it into the swimming pool. He crashed into his own house. <laughs> so you, you just uh, looked it up, and he, he didn't make it into his swimming pool. He crashed into his own house. Was it a glass house? 
Uh, he's got an album called Glass Houses. 1980, great album. I actually won, uh, actually I don't know if it won album of the year, but I know that you may be right, won best uh, male rock vocal of the year for that year off that album. But at any rate, um, you also get this. Uh, so, Billy Jewel's first wife was actually married to, he was either married or dating the drummer of his band that he was in before he was like a superstar and they were living together all three of them and then he fell in love with his drummer's wife and then they basically just were like well see you later Dude, listen, and they got so married. not to cut you off but i feel like that happens a lot in a lot of these like music situations because i feel like so you have to practice like people don't appreciate the amount of practice that has to go in to be able to perform these songs we talking about and, like fine tune them fine tune them and it's like Either like your girl just sits at home and does nothing, or like they want to support you but also be around you. So like they're around the band, and like I don't know. I just feel like I I don't know what causes it, but I feel like this happens often in the uh, music industry. Maybe he just kept his room cleaner. Just I don't know. Never t- trust a drummer, unless his name's Don Henley. It is weird with musical relationships. I mean, look at Fleetwood Mac. You can go your own way. Yeah, yeah, that made for awesome music, though. They were all, like, doing each other, and then they all hated each other, and they all wrote songs about each how, how much they hate each other, and they were great songs. Credit to them for keeping the band together. Because they uh, they split up pretty early on in their career. They, they were together, like, ten years after. But yeah, they uh, they all were. The best thing about that is that their uh, lead guitar, Lindsey, his name is Lindsey Buckingham, and he's a dude. And there's Stevie Nicks is a chick. <laughs> <laughs> They're very progressive. So you had you had Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks together, all shacking up, and then you had uh, Christine McVie and. Uh, John McVie. And John McVie. They were shacking up and married. And then he had the drummer just sitting there doing nothing. And he was what the band is named after. It's Mick Fleetwood. And <laughs> he's just sitting there in the back like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> Speaking of Fleetwood. Oh, here's it's not to go Fleetwood back to Mac. Billy Joel because I was trying to look up more in this stuff, but I saw the way that he was able to hit it off with uh, Christy Brinkley was when they were filming the music video for Uptown Girl. He uh, when he walked in there first, he told her, he "said I don't know how to dance," and so she had to like walk him through all the steps and teach him the dances and like work extra with him, and then that's how their relationship sparked. So uh, my stone cold lock for the week is if you're trying to. Um, Get with a chick that knows how to dance. Just tell her you don't know how to dance. Say, I, I would like you to teach me how to dance. Is that your stone cold lock of the decade? Yeah, this decade at least. Stone cold lock of the decade. Rumors. <laughs> Great. Rumors is a fucking fire album. All we were talking about Rumors? Album. Rumors is an all-time album. We just let's just go off of dope ass 
dope ass shit album. Dope ass albums. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's talk like, about rumors. Like rumors, here. that whole That's that album is that dope album. as shit. That's dope as shit. Yeah, this was Go Your Own Way, Dreams, Don't Stop, You Make Love and Fun. All time. It's an all-time the, the, album. The whole, the whole concept of how they made that album, too. They're all pissed off at each other. Their relationships are, like, ridiculous. Yeah, um, and... Uh, they just did, like, insane amount of cocaine, and they just made, like, an insane album. Uh, the lyrics, part of the lyrics to Go Your Own Way was actually uh, taken from a love note that... Uh, that uh, Lindsay wrote to uh, Stevie Nicks. Part of it is some lines taken from it into the song. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, uh, it's like uh, he writes her a note and Stevie's reading it and uh, all she can think about while this guy's pouring his heart out on ink and papers. Hmm, this could be a song. <laughs> hey, you gotta strike when the iron's hot. Listen, the best song on Rumors is The Chain. That has my favorite, one of my favorite bass lines ever in it. Can we put that on there and not copy, get copyright striked? I don't think enough people will listen to get a copyright I could, strike. I could fight Stevie next. <laughs> I could at least beat up Lindsey Buckingham. Is he still alive? It's gotta be. You know, it's another all-time album. What? It doesn't get talked about. I was gonna say The Cars. Their debut Ooh. album, just The Cars. Yeah, I fucking love that album, too. Cars Look don't at the get song. their respect. They don't get their no, respect. No, they don't. I used to have this old manager awesome. that loved The Cars and would talk about them all the time, because I'd be back there doing dishes and stuff in the restaurant, and, you know, he'd... The, the manager does not go in the dish pit. He just doesn't. Nah. Anyone that did dishes or worked in a restaurant, he did his time. He did they, his time. They, uh, they, uh, they don't go back there to check on how things are going. They don't. It's the forgotten land. So I was always playing my music, and he was like, "This guy is playing some really good music." That's what he would say to me. He used to call me "really good music guy." <laughs> I know this is true. I know this is a true story, but at the same time, it sounds like the most bullshit thing I've heard. But... He would look at me and say, he'd say, "You, you with the eyes over there, you like no, but seriously, because like songs. you know, when I have a playlist going, I'm playing, you know, like I'll be playing like the Cars, and then I'll be there'll be like Nirvana, and then I'm playing the Spice Girls, and then we're going to like Gordon Lightfoot, and then we're going to Kenny Chesney." It's just going everywhere. It's all well, over the place. Then you got Tech when you, run the aux, you run the aux cord when we're going to a, a big hockey game. We're like we we're playing a team that we hate. We want to. We need to get the win, and like we think we're gonna put some like like heavy song, like some Metallica, something to get us pumped up. And you put on Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah, but Jonas, your uncle Jonas was jamming in the back to it. He lo he loves it. <laughs> hey, we did go out there and crush too. Hold on, here's Maybe the thing. That's the, I, this is what I, I, I got to say this right now. I have to say this because this is this is important. Gordon Lightfoot is absolutely one of the best artists of all time, songwriting wise. 
Is that your Stone Cold Lock? That is my Stone Cold Lock of the Decade. Stone Cold Lock of the Decade. I absolutely love the steadiness of his voice and the way he writes songs and just the way he sounds. That Canadian can See, flat there's out that make an he, album. He definitely is makes quality songs, but like I like my singers to be like just teetering on the edge about to fall off like and lose their mind. I like that. I like people that are dangerous. He's so he's just Gordon so Lightfoot steady. isn't dangerous. <laughs> I don't know. You you gotta listen to his songs. He he has the inflections like He'll uh he does the in and out inflections like in the early morning rain <laughs> like I've shit like Gordon a, with a dother in my hand. It sounds like I'm like an old sea captain, like the little bit of the the water splashing up on the boat, the winds blowing in my face. That's the Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh, dude, I was drinking that in the last podcast. I know. I I see. I was. I purposely didn't say anything about it because I would go in a tirade and I'd start talking about uh, Gordon Lightfoot, and that's not what the topic was, but here's the thing. Now it is the topic. <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot. Hey, let me tell you something about Gordon Lightfoot. Okay, so everyone, like, knows, every, everyone knows Sundown. Everyone knows Sundown, the record. Sundown. You better take care. So everyone knows Sundown. Great album, not just a great song. The, the album itself is awesome. Also... The cover art for the album, he's just sitting there like what looks to be a, a like a barn. The doors open of the barn. He's sitting Indian style with no shoes on next to his guitar. <laughs> it's just Dude, that, would hurt, that would hurt so bad in a barn. You're stepping on like straw and stuff. Not, I mean, there's straw in, on the floor. It's just like dirt. It's like dirt and gravel. But here's the thing. And straw is not is not hard. You ever been on a hayride? It's... It's what used to be made out of mattresses. It's what mattresses were made out of. Yeah, but like it got the sharp ends, dude. Like you don't really want to step on straw barefoot. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I used to work on a horse ranch. Not really work, but my mom did. No, you you used to just get railed on a dude ranch. We're gonna be taken down. We're gonna be taken down. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna be taken down off the air because of these comments. Dude Ranch is a great Blink One Eight Two album too. It actually is one of the albums that uh, Uh, got me into music. (laughs) It's it's really that's one of the first uh, CDs I had. But here's the thing: I didn't find so. I was listening to a podcast on the ride. Up, this was I think I, I mentioned it on either the first or second podcast about. Um, I was Lynch's best man in his wedding. In the podcast, they were talking about like Blink One Eight Two, like the names of the albums, and everyone knows like "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket." Like that's a reference to to jerking off, right? But I never realized Dude Ranch was also See, a reference. Yeah. yeah, I just thought it was like a joke reference, like "Hey, dude!" Like an actual Dude hey. Ranch, but I didn't, I didn't, I never put two to two together like a Dude Ranch. You ever remember the TV show on Nickelodeon, Hey Dude? That's what I just said. Hey Dude. Hey Dude. It's a little. I was more of. A, I was strange. more. I was Living more of a. Right on the range. I was more of a Pete and Pete guy. <laughs> if we're being honest. You don't say. I love Pete and Pete. There's a Easter egg in this podcast with Pete and Pete, but we don't want to get it too big, so keep it hush. <laughs> For those people that don't. know the Easter egg with Pete and Pete, drop an email. Uh, all the email addresses will be in the, uh, 
what would you even call it in the bio section? It'll be somewhere next to the damn podcast name. Look it up. Yeah. It's the first one of the day. The number one. <laughs> Anyways. You'll just look it up. You'll find it. But uh, drop the email if you could get the Easter egg. Maybe I'll show you. I'll uh, I'll give you a uh, podcast t-shirt. First one of the day t-shirt. First I have to make one. But if you get it, I'll make one for you. And a little <laughs> special. A little special there. I'm going to wear the t-shirt for like three, four days beforehand in a row. And then we'll send it out. Yeah. We'll play a hockey Sean, game. Sean, yeah. Oh, Spoo, we didn't we didn't drop this at the beginning of the podcast. No, we didn't. That uh, go ahead and, championship go ahead and that we were getting. Yeah, hey, that championship that we were contesting, boom, we won it. We did. Solid Champions three to one again. effort. Well, it was a best of three series, and we won games two and three. We won. Should have won game one. We we, we outplayed them in game one. It just sometimes it doesn't go. That's it. Hey, that's the way hockey yeah. is. Sometimes it just doesn't go in. We won three. You know to all one. about that, buddy. We won three to one actually in games two and three, right? Yeah. It was yeah. Three to one. Three to yeah. one games two and three. Yeah, but anyway, all right. So hold the, hold the phone. Here's what I want to get to. All right, I know you're talking about Gordon Lightfoot yeah, again. Yeah, we were talking about Gordon Lightfoot. Can we just talk about the track listings on, on, on the Sunday. Cars debut album? <laughs> we'll go back to that. I swear. Okay. But okay. I'm, I'm I'll put a, I'll about... put a little pin in that. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, it's 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 a compilation album obviously it's it's like one of it's just like his greatest hit it's called gourd's gold compilation compilation gourd's gold that album i shit you not i listen to all the time i just listen to it straight there's hey, so I, many good songs hey i don't want to cut you off but you did it anyway yeah let's break this down real quick the uh like turn of phrase there like shit you not did you ever think about like where that comes from like what does that mean like the the origins of shit you not did like someone shit on somebody or well because when when uh, you say something shocking people would be like you're shitting me so oh, okay so when you're about to say something shocking it's like kind of like a preemptive strike to that because you know they're about to say you're shitting me uh so before they say that i just say i shit you not so then that's why you don't you know, don't even have to say it yeah and uh but uh, so, all right. Listen to this. For anybody, especially you, John, because I know you don't get out a lot. Listen to Gordon Lightfoot. They bring it out all the time. That sounded a little fruity, but that's okay. So, <laughs> so Canadian Railroad trilogy, long songs, like seven minutes long. Awesome, but. Listening to this whole album, Early Morning Rain, Sundown, uh, Cotton Jenny, uh, Circle of Steel, If You Could Read My Mind, Carefree Highway, blah, 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 blah. This goes on and on. An amazing album. I highly recommend anybody that has not listened to Gordon Lightfoot, if you're going to start out, just listen to Gord's Gold. It's it's so good. The steadiness of his voice. I don't know, man. I feel it. like there's too big of a barrier of entry no, on uh, hopping into the uh, Gordon Lightfoot discography. No, because it's it's like folk rock or country folk. It's folk folk rock, country folk kind of. It kind of in between. It doesn't really matter. You don't even got to put labels on it. But it is so freaking good. I think it's he's very underappreciated. I'll say that. Maybe not the. 
I still put him in the be- one of the best songwriters of all time, him and James Taylor and Billy Joel, but and Tom DeLonge. <laughs> but uh, his writing style, I, you, the only way you can explain it is if you listen to it, you'll be like, this guy knows how to turn a phrase, and he knows how to tickle some words around, and it, it's just a good time. So start there. Um, and I actually was I was uh, co- I was in a conversation in the comment section on Facebook not too long ago with someone that I went to college with, uh, and. I, I forget what it was. I think it was just like drop like one of your favorite albums or something. I put like Sundown or something. It was something like an album that like not many people would know or an album that like defined you, something like that. And one I, one of them was Sundown. It's like a 10-day thing. And then someone commented like, dude, I had no idea you like Gordon Lightfoot. I like, you know, I love Gordon Lightfoot. I never, you know, I've known you for a while, and we, you know, we talk about music. Never talked about Gordon Lightfoot. I'm like, Gordon Lightfoot's just not one of those guys that come up in conversation. Like, you don't really, you're not going to hear him at like the supermarket or, I mean, you, I, on the radio, you might depending on what station you listen to. But he's just not someone people talk I've about. Specifically, heard Gordon Lightfoot. A lot of people. At, a lot at of people would store before. A lot of people wouldn't know that it was Gordon Lightfoot, and that's the difference. You got to know that's Gordon Lightfoot. Like a lot of, it's it's just not. He's not a guy that people talk about, and they should. And maybe this will change it. And I'm gonna dedicate the rest of my life to people talking about Gordon Lightfoot more because he's still alive, and he's actually still performing live music as of last year. So, and he's getting really up there in age. Uh, he 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 literally is a national treasure, even though he's not from this country. He's a Canadian national treasure, just like Neil Young. I can get behind Neil Young. I like Neil Young. Yeah, Neil Young has uh Neil Young's on on the dope shit album list as well. Neil Young has put out some fucking good albums. Uh Harvest Harvest, Harvest is absolutely yeah. Harvest is on the list. That's the that's it. Harvest, you got uh, the needle, the damage done. Um, is Heart of Gold on Harvest? Yep, Heart of Gold's on that one. Old Man's on there. That's a great one. Old Man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you. On Harvest, James Taylor plays banjo and the backing vocals on Heart of Gold and Old Man. So, listen, so, uh, um, yeah. But, uh, We'll just we'll just go back to the car. <laughs> the cars album doesn't. So what I was saying before you cut me off again, uh, the manager he he uh when I, I'd be playing a bunch of random songs when I'd be in the dish pit and you know I'd be playing the cars and he would come back and he was so surprised that I was playing the cars and we would always have these like long conversations about you know the cars and how underappreciated they were and. Uh, he would throw down some songs from the cars that I wasn't really aware of that were also dynamite. So like he was one of the, he was one person that I know that I've met in real life that uh, was just like he he was he's what Gordon Lightfoot is to me that was the cars to him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the cars yeah the, the debut album Good Times Roll just what I needed. My best friend's girl all mixed up. Moving in stereo, you can't think of Fast Times at Ridgemont High without thinking about that song. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, written by Cameron Crowe and directed. 
go see episode Spider-Man one. Spider-Man po- three. If you haven't listened to episode one of this podcast, we talk. Uh, we go in a little bit of detail with Cameron Crow and some of his other works. So definitely go check that out. All right. So what other uh, dopest shit albums do you got going on here? Synchronicity. I, I mean, I got one. I got one. Go ahead, L.A. Man. Woman by The Doors. The Doors, yeah. The Doors is an interesting band. I mean, I feel like a lot of people know a whole bunch of uh, like crazy stories about The Doors. Like Jim Morrison is just one of those characters. Yeah, it's not even like crazy stories about The Doors. It's just crazy stories about Jim Morrison. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Jim Morrison that taught Joe Walsh how to party, and that's like why jo- Joe Walsh like tore shit apart? Uh, that could be true. I don't know. It was either, I mean, it was either him Joe or Walsh, Joe, yeah. Joe Walsh were one of my all-time favorite songs. Life's been good. That's Life's the... been good. Dude, so I was at... Have you ever been to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland? I have. So did you see they have the napkin there that Joe Walsh initially like wrote down the lyrics to Life's Been Good on? Right, I knew he wrote it on it. a napkin. I don't know if I, yeah. I might have seen it. It was years ago I went there. Yeah, it's it's like kind of tucked away in like a small display, like by like David Bowie, like outfits and shit like that. Also, that was surprising that how small David Bowie was. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: uh, there's so many artists, you really can't even fit it. You can't fit anyone, really. You can't have the, uh, When I went, I'm sure it got dwindled down, but when I went, there was a huge exhibit of Michael Jackson. I think I yeah, went when I, when I went, death. they had a uh, huge exhibit of um, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Like yeah. the whole like upstairs, they like built the right. wall and shit like yeah. that. Which, oh, f- fuck, that's a dope as hell album. Oh, I mean, you got Dark shit. Side of the Moon, but wall, The Wall. The wall like, yeah, I have both on vinyl. Absolutely. Pink Floyd. I just, I just have Dark Side of the Moon. I got I got The Wall and Dark Side of the Moon. Um, I love the cover art, too. For both yeah. of those albums, I mean, yeah. everybody. My favorite, my another, favorite cover you remember art how, remember by how... them is uh, "Animal." I just like the with the smokestacks and the pig. Remember how, in in episode one, I said that everybody's got a Nirvana T-shirt. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have "Dark Side of the Moon" T-shirt as well. I got like five of them, dude. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm just wearing I, one yesterday. It was like the thing, and it has like the tour dates on the back. Yeah, the 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 pyramid with the rainbow. I people that don't even that. The, I got the, a sick one. I'm gonna wear it tomorrow. Now that you say it, I I had that one since middle school, and I got it like too big in middle school, so it still fits. But it's um, the wall. It's like a wild looking one. It like doesn't have the wall on it. It's like this big giant like monster thing with the planes flying out of it. It's from like the movie. A wall. But there there are people that don't even know that it's like Pink Floyd. It doesn't have Pink Floyd on it. It just has that. And the like, prism. Oh, this, oh, yeah, this, the prism. Oh, this is cool. And they'll and they'll wear it. And Oh, there's so many. Look at how many people like Kendall Jenner wearing like Metallica shirts and stuff. They got everything. They, they take and make it fashion. Like how many people now just wear like Nirvana shirts and they've never... I mean, they might have heard Smells Like Teen Spirit. Like, it's just... I don't know. It's like kind of the reason Kurt Cobain blew his brains out. <laughs> so you think that he did it? He blew his brains. You think he was suicide? You don't think Courtney? No, no, no. Court, no, Courtney Love did it. That's my right. stone cold lock of last century. I was gonna say we're gonna go into detail. We're gonna do an episode of conspiracy theories and stuff like that very soon. Very, very soon, actually. Hint, hint to all these listeners. 
We may have already recorded it. That's we a conspiracy. <laughs> if we did, I don't know because we didn't. You but, sounded um, like a you sound like a Simpsons character there. I am. So before you before you mentioned uh, I don't know if anyone heard before you mentioned uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, I hate everyone with synchronicity by the police, which I also have on vinyl. That's good. That's that's good. Um, Every I was looking change. through. I love Sting. The, Sting is. I was great. looking through when we were talking about. Yeah, I'm a big Sting fan, but like looking through, I was trying to think like of bands I like the albums, but I feel like the Police were more of um, not like a singles band. Like they'd have like two or three good songs. I'll and say some this. Shit I, on I kind of agree with you. I will say this: listening to a full album. There's, uh, uh, it gets weird <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, like your best. Not all with of the them. Not all of them. But listen to like a, a greatest hits compilation. Like you can listen to that right through. Yeah. But if you pick a single album, there's some stuff yeah. like it's like Soundgarden. Like we were saying yeah. with Soundgarden, it's yeah, a, it gets a little funky sometimes. Uh, what I forget which album was by the Police, but they have like a play. They literally have like a play or like an it's like a musical or a play or an opera. Like or skits. Going yeah, on. yeah. It was weird. But, anyways, uh, I here's here's the thing. You ever see um, on YouTube Sting and Shaggy performing together? Yeah, dude, they actually have that one song that's pretty good. So they do, only like they do a English, few years back. They, yeah, they uh, they still might do it. So I first saw it, I was watching the NPR Tiny Desk concerts and I saw them together. Watched it. The first song was Englishman in New York, and Shaggy even put his own verse about being a Jamaican in New York. And okay, so people that don't know about me, Shaggy is in my. Top I was just 10. gonna. I was gonna say when we were in like high school that was. Shag, <laughs> yeah, when we were in high school, it was uh 2000. Like we, I graduated 2010. You graduated 2009. So Shaggy was well, well, well past like relevance. Yeah, but we listened and to it when we were like elementary I still put him school. on constantly. So I still like. You had this issue with playing Shaggy too much, but the bigger issue of playing. Not even playing, no singing Disney songs, singing Disney songs at inopportune times. <laughs> so, so Shaggy, uh, she, easily in my top ten favorite artists of all time, and everyone's like, "Oh, so Angel and wasn't me." I'm like, "Okay, no, not even. Doesn't even stop there." And you might know Bombastic, but keeping it real, love me, love me, Chica Bonita, all them songs are fire. That whole Hot Shot album is fire. But that's a story for another day. But anyway, so going back to Sting and Shaggy, they do an amazing job of singing Englishman in New York, and Shaggy even throws his own verse in there, and it's so good. So then I was I went down in the rabbit hole and was looking at all these other live performances they're playing like in these concert halls and stuff, and uh, they're singing "Wasn't Me" and stuff together. It it is so good. Anyone that hasn't seen it yet go on YouTube right away and just type in Sting and Shaggy performing live. It is amazing. Um, um, I so, got one for yeah, you. Yeah, what's give me another dope as shit, another DAS, baby. The rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spider from Mars by David Bowie. David Bowie. Let me give you a track rundown here. Five years. Moon Age Daydream. Starman. Ziggy Stardust. Suffragette City. Like, that's a fire album right there. Bangers. I'm he, in now. Did you know? Game. Do you know? Did you know that David Bowie even has a go at White Christmas? <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of a musician myself. Do you, contemporary. Uh, do you like uh, contemporary music? 
Oh yeah, some of it real marvelous. Listen, if this, podcast, if this podcast takes off, put that write this down. We're gonna release a for the Christmas special. It's just us recreating that. Are you gonna be? Are you? Are, are, you are you David? Are you gonna be David David Bowie? Or are you gonna be? Uh, uh, oh, I'm gonna be Bing Crosby. You're gonna be Bing. I could definitely do a good David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Peace on <laughs> earth. I mean, just can you see lights, presents, agents sliding down the chimney? What? Just see if you're paying attention. <laughs> what a cheeky bastard, isn't he? Whose whose house was it? I don't think it was anyone's real house, but they said like, what did he say? Yeah, like, no, a like prospector. The they, to, they yeah, said, yeah, they said like a general title, like it wasn't a person. Yeah, I'm gonna pull the lyrics. <laughs> That song in 1982 it peaked at number three on the UK singles charts. That's weird because it wasn't. I think it was uh, came out in 77. Yeah, that's weird. Well, it was recorded in 77. It wasn't released till November 27th, 1982. Jesus Christ! I think yeah, they had to. I think Crosby. they had to wait for Ben Crosby to die. Yeah, he was already dead. Why didn't they release it? I don't know, but the um. His singles chronolo- chronology was uh, Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy, and then the next one he released was Let's Dance. Let's, Let's dance. dance. Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. David Bowie's actually one of my all-time favorite artists. Like, I'm a hardcore David Bowie guy. Okay, so uh, moving along with Dope as Shit, uh, I'm going when, uh, like, classic rock, like classic rock, Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses. Which it. is funny because it is classic rock, but that's like the newest one we've talked about so far. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but that one's you gotta, fire. You got to you got to you got to pay tribute to the to the older guys sometimes. But Appetite for Destruction, kicking it off the first first song on that album, Welcome to the Jungle. How don't you get an instant boner when that comes on, John? How many sporting events have you been to? Like that's all like, of them. I've never they, been to one where they haven't played it. That or like that's like the first song that they come out to. Like oh, seriously. The teams, yeah. I went to a cricket game and they played that. You went to a cricket game? Yeah, absolutely. But Mr. Brownstone, Paradise City, obviously sweet child of mine. That app, that that album. You know, people work. were pulling up to high school and their Firebird just cranking out with the windows down, just listening to Welcome to the Jungle, pulling up to their high school, their senior year. You know that was happening in the 80s. Fuck yeah, dude. If we were there, you would have. we would have totally done that. 87, 88, they brought, got a big old like, eagle on the hood spray painted onto their Firebird. Um, the Trans Ams actually just came with that on there, so maybe they didn't have to spray it on, but they teach their own. Hey, you know. I used to have I used to have a Firebird. What do you miss, Mona Lisa Vito? Know everything there is to know about cars. No, no. Hey. How? What do you think about uh, Sticky Fingers, John? The Rolling Stones album. Yes, sir. That's uh, that's a classic. I'm a big Stones guy. There's a lot of like, so they like released a lot of good songs over time, but there's not a lot of like albums that they've released that have like the consistency through kind of like the police but like sticky fingers is definitely one of them like if you're looking at track listing like brown sugar wild horses uh can't you hear me knocking uh like hey that's quality right there funny story about wild horses i remember when i worked in this um uh for like this loan office 
we had an auditor come in and like she was there like to do like the internal audit for like three two three days and like she was like known for being like super super serious and like the first day she was like real serious second day like she loosened up and by like the third day she was like crying about her marriage was falling apart pretty exciting stuff but like she (laughs) she was saying that their wedding song was uh wild horses and i i didn't but i was like i regret it like obviously i i would have got fired if i did but at the time i wish i would have just said at the end like after she said that, and like later on when she was crying about her marriage falling apart, I'd be like, apparently, wild horses could drag you away. But I didn't. I regret that every day. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Sometimes the punchline sets itself up. But oh, believe part of, me. Hey, part of being a responsible human being is to sometimes you got to not swing at that pitch. Even if it's a 3 0 count, you don't swing at that pitch. You ever you ever been to a Stones concert? Ah, uh, no, I've not. I haven't either. I'm not in. I would love to go one to one in like 1982, but I have no interest now. You if, dude, if you I had like a free ticket, dude, if I want to see some skeletons rocking around, I'd go see go down a local cemetery and dig up some bones. Have you ever really stared into Mick Jagger's lips though? <laughs> really stared? No. I can't say I have. I think you can see, like, an alternate universe in there. It kind of, it's kind of. Well, going back to what we were talking about when you were saying Gordon Lightfoot and like his like consistency, like you feel safe in the way he sings. I like how Mick Jagger sings because it's like he's about to teeter off the edge at any point. That's how I feel with uh, uh, Steven Tyler. Yeah. The thing is. I have you ever looked into Steven Tyler's lips? Oh, if you look at his face, that's all you can see. <laughs> um, how about this? Let me hit you with this. What do you think about Stranger in Town and Night Moves? Those two albums by Bob Seger. Oh, I love some Bob. There's nothing better than like the bars closing down and like Bob Seger comes on. You get yourself like a tall glass of whiskey. I can't even decide. That's a, that's a mood in itself. The, the cover art to Stranger in Town, the Fu Manchu, the long hair, <laughs> the like, I don't even know what it is. It's not even five o'clock sh- shadow. It's like noon shadow. It, it, it's literally like a neck beard that just goes all the way down. And he literally is Dude. looking up so everyone can see it too. Dude, Bob Seger and the, the Silver um, Bullets, baby. I was going to some of, some of um, the stories about it, his drinking stories and stuff are hilarious. Like, well, here's a story I'll, tie the, your party, I'll talk about man. the Eagles for a little bit, at, too. Uh, so Bob Seeger, um, well, Bob Seeger basically was real good friends with Glenn Fry from the Eagles. Glenn Fry was uh, basically the he played guitar and was one of the main vocalists. Him and Don Henley pretty much were the two main vocalists. Don Henley was on drums, of course. But uh, Glenn Fry, you know, he took the lead on Peaceful, Easy Feeling and everything. Um, you know, pretty much all the huge hits, but... Uh, he actually, I believe they actually lived together at one point, but Bob Seger made it, uh, they were, they were, uh, they were good friends, Glenn Fry and Bob Seger, and Glenn Fry was asking Bob Seger one time advice for when they were just starting out, uh, musically, this was before Glenn Fry was even in the Eagles, uh, about writing songs, and he asked Bob Seger, like, like, how do you, how do you write a song, like, how do you go about it, and, uh, Bob Seger told him, 
Well, first thing you do is you write a hundred songs, and then they're all going to be trash. And then after you write a hundred trash songs, maybe you'll make one good one. <laughs> and that was his <laughs> advice. That's all advice. And it is it is good advice because like basically it's just just write just write whatever you have with you. Uh, just just do it. Put it down. Put it on paper. Record it. Uh, and they are probably going to be bad, but eventually Dude, you're going to learn to write a song What did I tell you about together. starting the podcast? It's like, you're not going to hit it out of the park when you first start. You just got to right. keep, just just make stuff, produce, yeah. make, make content, and just keep refining and learn from your mistakes. But it's yeah. just, make you got to do it. Make it up as you go. Ain't nothing to it, but to do it. But I, I always love that, that story. Um, and you know, it gives me like a like a weird like kind of like nice feeling that, that when these like two superstars okay. are friends, That's you know. Boner. Yeah, but like when when you <laughs> like p- two people that like artists I really like that are friends, you know, like because you know how like Pearl Jam and Nirvana never really got along all that well, even though the rest of the grunge bands, you know, were pretty pretty chill with each other. But Pearl Jam and yeah. Nirvana always seemed to butt heads within the media and everything. They'd all go back and forth in interviews, shit like that. But uh, you know, I love Bob Seger. I, I have his greatest hits. I actually just got one of his greatest hits on vinyl. Um, it's really stupid because I have like three other Bob Seger uh, vinyl records, and then I bought a greatest hits, so I pretty much already have all the songs already. <laughs> but I just dude, bought it. I'm gonna blow your mind, dude. Have you ever been on YouTube before? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy vinyl records till the day I die. I don't even give a fuck. Are you ready for my next uh, dopest shit album? Uh, Led Zeppelin 4. That's what I was going to say. Your favorite Led Zeppelin album. Usually yeah, it's, yeah, usually it's between no, three or four. Yeah. I, there's, there's, I, there's some songs I really like on three, but there's some I don't. But like I could pretty much go down the list on four. Black Dog, Rock and Roll, The Battle of Evermore, Stairway to Heaven. And that's only side one. Side two, you got Misty Mountain Hop, Four Sticks, Going to California, and When the Levee Breaks. Like... Dude, that's like some all-time shit right there. When you talk about rock, you're talking about those songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> no stairway. Denied. Denied. <laughs> Let me try the May I Help You riff. <laughs> May I help you? <laughs> uh, you got you to gotta love uh, Wayne's World. But Party yeah, Led, Led Zeppelin. You, um, I, I don't know what it is about them, but people are... That- that's another very defendant about them. Well, if you look, it's a situation where it's like four musicians at the top of their game, like getting together in one band at one time. Like that's that's what you get. Yeah, I like I like Led Zeppelin three. I like four better, but I, Immigrant Song is my favorite Led Zeppelin song. Also because of Thor Ragnarok. Not because of it, but that is a great that's, scene. that's actually probably why I like Thor Ragnarok the most. One of the main reasons. So yeah, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, yeah, they have that immigrant song. It. Yeah, it's like the opening scene, pretty much. I think. Yeah, and... Well, they 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 play it during. Oh yeah, on the pretty much the, the battle, battle scene. The yeah. battle at the yeah. So I got a crazy story about that. So I went and saw that when I was living up in Cleveland, and I was in the movie theater, and at that scene, it happened, and the audio cut out. And half the theater got up and went to complain. And this is the only time I've ever experienced this um, at, a, at a movie before. They actually rewound the movie in the theater and played it back from that scene and fixed the audio. That's pretty nice. It, 
yeah, it was wild. I've never seen it before. But so, so I, I do appreciate it. But it was crazy just sitting there and they're just rewinding because everything's digital now. It's like, what the fuck? This uh, one time, it was actually Paranormal Activity. I think it was Paranormal Activity 2 or 3. It was one of them. 3's the best one. It was, um, uh, they, uh, it was the midnight premiere or something. Yeah, it was the midnight premiere. So we had to wait in line. And then the, the movie theater was packed. They had like two movie theaters, two or three movie theaters reserved for like the midnight showing because they were all packed. And mm-hmm. we were in there and the movie starts playing. And then something odd was about it because there was like a voiceover and we never, the movie just came out. We didn't have never seen it before, obviously watching the movie theater. And he's just like uh, saying stuff like, um, ominous music playing in the background and like you know the scene is progressing you know they're talking and then uh he's like there's a loud knock at the door and then a knock at the door would happen and people are like what the fuck is this and then a couple minutes later it's like pitcher falls off wall makes noise and then a pitcher falls off the walls and makes noise and like it just falls off the ground and like breaks and at that point everybody was like Okay, this something is definitely this is something's wrong with this this version of this movie. Like this is not how it was written because like yeah. this voiceover is like saying shit before it's happening, and then like a couple other things happen. Like she turns around and gets startled. Startling music plays. She turns around and like her husband's there and she gets startled. And at that point, someone yelled at, "This is the deaf version," and like it clicked with everyone's like, "This is like what like." Uh, not deaf, but blind. He's like, this is what the, this is the blind version. This is like what the blind people would. Uh, it was like for for you know the visually oh, impaired. Oh yeah, the visually impaired. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was they were playing that version of this pack. So a couple people got out and got a manager. They turned the lights on. Uh, manager comes in and explained, uh, we put the wrong wheel reel in. Uh, we don't like actually have a reel, an extra reel, because you know like I said they had like. Yeah. Three movie theaters uh, reserved, yeah. and they—I guess they only had two reels. Or Dude, how wild is that? So like, what that happened? Totally, with, hold like, on. Those what, paranormal activity movies—that would totally defeat the purpose. Like, oh, for a blind at, person to see, because it's all like visual cues. At, and it's all startle scares. Someone turning around or something, yeah. or, or even it's just like the music or something. Like, it's yeah, it's 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 the jump scares that you see something and or you see something in the background, like. Like in the first one, how she's like slowly like walking into the doorway, and then she mm-hmm. just like throws the, her husband. Oh man! So the yeah, third if you're one, blind, when you she walks into to. the kitchen and all the drawers fly open. Yeah, See, you just hear just a loud sound. You'd be like, "Oh, that's loud." <laughs> so the guy comes in, and evidently we we had to go into another movie theater, which the, the movie started like five minutes after ours, and uh, they restarted it for us, and we all got our money back. So that was that's a movie theater story for you. But I, I got to say, I didn't even think those things ex- existed for scary movies where they had like the visually impaired, the voiceover. The funniest thing is it happened a good like two seconds before he'd explained it before it happened. <laughs> it was just like the I, just, I felt so stupid afterwards because it literally took about 15 minutes into the movie for me to realize that this isn't the right version at first i thought it was like just part of the movie was like this is odd they're going in a different direction here <laughs> <laughs> like okay i'm gonna see how this goes <laughs> what was the narrator's voice like um it was just a it was a, a deep it was a guy's voice it was just a deep voice and he he said things quickly like he was like 
picture frame falls off walls, scares scares the scares wife, and then it would fall off, and she like would turn around and be scared. And like the funny thing what is like people in the theater saying like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. After like after like this third or fourth time where he described something before it happened, uh, people like you can hear like the conversations of <laughs> people like they're muddling. So it it was nuts, but the whole it, it it was an ordeal. It took like forty five minutes for the whole thing to like get sorted out. But um, some people were standing too because we had like they had a we got put in another movie theater that was full, so a lot of people were standing. <laughs> but anyway, stop the match. You got a family. All right. So what were we talking about? All right. So we just talked about uh, Led Zeppelin. All right. We were our oh, immigrant song. Yeah, so Immigrant Song is probably one of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs. But I got yeah, another... Di- well, that's the thing. Like, So if I had to like say what my second favorite one would be, I wouldn't go Zeppelin 3. I'd go Houses of the Holy. That album, which is I always found funny that the song Houses of the Holy is not on um, the, uh, the album Houses of the Holy, which I do I like that song a lot. But um, the song lineup... House of the Holy is fucking nuts. You got yourself. Uh, the song remains the same. The rain song, Over the Hills and Far Away. Right. The Crunge, Dancing Days, Dire Maker, No Quarter, The Ocean. Bang! Like, there's a reason why Led Zeppelin is regarded as one of the best bands of all time. Yeah, there's a reason. Um. One of uh, another band that I consider one of the best of all time, maybe the best. It's it's gonna get a lot of heat because it's it's really mainstream, but it is the Eagles. <laughs> when when you have uh, six albums that were number one and five number one songs as a band within a five year span, remember all their hits really came out between seventy two and seventy seven. Yeah. Like their greatest hits came out, I think, in like seventy six, seventy seven, and they came and they formed in seventy two. So when you have a greatest hits only five years after you were a band, like you're doing a lot of things right, not something right, a lot of things. So I'm with the Eagles. Uh, one of their founding members, uh, Bertie Ledden, who was um, pretty much their lead Bert, guitarist. Bernie Mac. No, yeah, Bernie Mac. R.I.P. R.I.P. So he was uh, he was basically like their their main lead guitar. He was he played the electric guitar. Glenn Fry was also lead guitar, but he played like acoustic, so it really wasn't lead. Um, he was a uh, he was the guitarist, and uh, he left the band in '76 somewhere around there. And big mistake, huge. Big, well, they already were making a lot of money there. So so that's the sad thing about the Eagles. They were always this huge band. But they had so many internal problems. They just all argued, and how, and one of the main reasons was because Glenn Fry and Don Henley were usually on the same page always. So like you have like five, six members in the band, but you have these two that are like, and they're the main two that are writing most of the songs, so and performing most of the vocals. So you have this dynamic where it's not really a democracy. You have these two guys against you know everyone else, and it's the two guys that are the most important. So it, they kind of started like running things. There's just always like a, a rift between them. Yeah, but, never wants to feel like they're like has an equal voice, the but they don't. You know, yeah. 
it's not a democracy, it's a cheerocracy. <laughs> bring it on. Uh, That's you, a quote from you, Bring you It On. Piece. Yeah, I know. You piece of shit. I had a sister. You got a couple. I had a sister. <laughs> You're like, I, yeah, hey, I had a sister, buddy. That's that's something that uh, Robo Ref would say. I had a yeah. sister. <laughs> the blip elbow. The <laughs> so, but yeah, so they they all they they always since like the beginning that they started, they always had this riff, and they were the biggest band at, at in the in the mid seventies. Honestly, they were. But anyway, so Bertie Lennon. His uh, he left the band, but how he left the band was is is actually quite funny. So, uh, they got in a in a huge argument. So, uh, Bernie Lennon was kind of credited with having their uh, rock country sound for their first album, and then they after after Desperado they were getting away from it because Desperado didn't do as well. So, and they were getting more into like you know stadium rock, and um. And Bernie was is pretty much a folk country, rock country guy, and he was kind of getting, he didn't really want to go in that direction. So it was a musical change plus the dynamic with everyone in the band. It was getting too much for him. But uh, so they had all these huge arguments. There's so many stories about them having arguments like during, like on stage, like not like on stage where you would notice, but like while someone's singing and the other one's just playing would be saying shit basically on stage, not in the microphone, but like say like, I'm going to fuck you up at backstage after the show. Like Glenn Fry was like famous for doing that to like everybody in the band, like just like playing guitar next to him and he's smiling shit. But really he's saying, I'm going to fuck you up, buddy. <laughs> so uh, after like one one time they got in this huge fight and uh, Bernie Ledin poured like a fucking huge a big beer like on the top of uh, Glenn Fry's head and then just quit the band. <laughs> that was, hey, that's one way to do it. Yeah, well, Glenn Fry he, he he was the front man pretty much so that was, that is one way. But the funny thing is Bernie Ledin uh he in seventy six seventy seven I can't remember I don't know the year I wasn't alive. But uh, he um, <laughs> he uh, he brought in his good friend Don Felder, which was a, another great guitarist. Played he played banjo, he played he played uh, uh, slide guitar, he played everything, steel guitar. He played. I've he, always been a fan of slide guitar. Oh yeah, he uh, he pretty him and uh, he uh, didn't teach Joe Walsh, but he basically did. Him and one other guy that wasn't in the band, I forget who it was, taught Joe Walsh how to play slide guitar, actually. But Don Felder was one of the guys that helped him to uh, um, hone in on it. But uh, so Don Felder, he played, but you did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of slide guitar, there's a sweet documentary that I don't know if you've seen, um, but I think you would definitely find it pretty interesting. It's called It Might Get Loud. Um, and what they do is they interview Jack White from the White Stripes, um, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, and The Edge from U2 about their different guitar playing styles and stuff. And at the end, they bring them together to like jam together. And it's just like real, real interesting to see like how they formed their sounds, how they started. Right. That's the shit I love. Guitar. Yeah. Oh, dude, you would love this. It's called It Might Get Loud. Um, and there's one scene in there where Jack White takes a guitar string, a guitar pickup, uh, old two by four, a couple nails, nails the string in, and then starts playing slide guitar on it. And it's just, it's sick. That is nasty. Yeah. You, you check it out. You'll like it. It might get loud. I definitely will. Um, 
but uh yeah he also played the double neck guitar what's the is there an actual name for that or is it just called double neck guitar i think it's just double neck guitar okay but yeah some people do something crazy where they got the combo where the top one's the guitar and the bottom one's the the bass bass. but that's just that's just too much (laughs) i honestly think that would be easier because at least like it's separated like how would you how many strings do you need on the guitar i know ozzy loved to play like the eight string and like 12 string (laughs) guitars but anyways Enough well, the the top, 12 string guitars like new crate not too crazy because you just basically are doubling up yeah that's what i'm saying like how many notes do you need <laughs> but um so he uh so do- that was don felder like he he played the, the double neck guitar and everything really good guitarist but here's the thing like and that bernie Ledden brought him into the band who's a good friend but don felder is like a rocker like a stadium rocker so he brought a guy into the band and they're going to obviously start playing music to use his skill. And then he's like, ah, damn it. Like, why would you bring him in if you didn't want to go into that? That's like, that's like, uh, I don't even know. Like if you're trying to get away from, uh, if you're like a baseball team and you're like, all right, we need to stop, uh, worrying about uh hitting home runs and start focus on hitting singles and stuff and getting on base and then that's like bringing in like the biggest power hitter in the off season it's like all right well you're you say you want to do one thing but you're you're, you're telling us to do another but uh that was basically what it was so uh bernie Lennon left the band after he poured a beer on joe walsh or uh glenn fry's head and then that's when joe walsh joined the band and joe walsh replaced him and that their first album was hotel california where you had that fucking hotel california end of the song joe walsh is going fucking nuts on the guitar which if you had never seen it live on youtube go ahead and listen to that because you, you heard it on the album at the end of hotel california it's iconic seeing it live and this got dude in a bandana do rag ripping it with his like fu manchu his blonde fu manchu light brown fu manchu this guy flat out plays you know, it's another interesting story about the Eagles, too. Their original bassist, Randy Meisner. <laughs> so he's the one that wrote and uh, performed uh, Take It to the Limit, you know. Mm-hmm. So you got to hit the high notes and everything. So, again, there was always these, all these arguments throughout the band over the years. And in 1977, uh, they were touring and uh, promoting the Hotel California album and everything. And he... Uh, he became like homesick and just like sick with the flu in general and he told them really really sick he got the covid 18 (laughs) so that wouldn't be 18 because it was yeah i'll let you in a little i'll let you in a little backstory here it's what the number at the end is just whatever year it occurs in buddy i don't give a hell (laughs) (laughs) anyway so uh he actually was sick didn't want to perform the song he, he said he expressed that explicitly before uh one of the shows and was like i can't do it uh it's too hard i don't like doing it and basically glenn fry and don henley were like and they actually had a good point and this is in like the eagles documentary that they have on, i think it still might be on netflix but awesome documentary they're like uh listen these people we we tour in these cities and like uh, this may be their only opportunity they ever get to see us play. You know, like these, some people can't like afford to go and like follow us around throughout the country. So like, we're going to play the hits. We're going to play the songs that they know. We're going to play the songs that they like, and we're going to play the songs that we can. So they're basically like, and this is one of our biggest songs. You're, you're singing it. 
for the, you like it? Yeah. And he's like, I swear to God, I will not sing this. So uh, they uh, almost made it through through the, like the whole show without playing or whatever. And then they came out for an encore and the rest of the band just starts playing it. And they're like laughing at him basically in his face. And he gets pissed and he quits the band pretty much right then and there in 77. Just quits. And uh, also there was music differences, but uh, that was definitely the last straw. It's always funny that they just start playing it anyways. And then uh, he was the bassist, and uh, they replaced him with Timothy B. Schmidt. And uh, Timothy B. Schmidt, interesting story about him and uh, Randy Meisner. So you know Rick Springfield, John? Yeah. So he... Yeah, so... Oh, no, not Rick Springfield. My bad. Buffalo Springfield. Yeah, fucking uh, Neil Young. Um, who the fuck else was in Buffalo? There's a bunch of people that were in Buffalo or Springfield. So uh, they were using a bunch of artists for their, one of their albums. And it's just like that weren't in the band, just like, hey, come on and play on the album. We need, you know, a couple extra guitars and drums, whatever. So uh, Neil Young, Steven Stills from Crosby, Stills, Nash. Right, so after they were done Bruce recording Palmer. one of their albums, they were like, all right, thanks for uh, helping us record. See ya. So all these, like, I guess, like, their no-name at the time, or they were all like, well, shit, we just spent, like, weeks recording this album. You know, we jammed together. Like, let's just create a band. So they created a band. It was called Poco. Um, and Timothy B. Schmidt uh, and Randy Meisner both uh, were bass players and singers so they kind of like went for the lead singer slash bass and they picked Meisner over Timothy B. Schmidt and uh, Timothy B. and Meisner recorded like one album with them and then had like a whole bunch of problems and didn't like them so he left and joined the Eagles so after he left Poco Timothy B. Schmidt who was like the one that was cut he uh, he stepped in and took over for Randy Meisner on their after their first album so Timothy B. Schnitt was the lead singer of Poco, and then Randy Meisner was in the Eagles. So when Randy Meisner left the Eagles, after that whole blow-up with uh, Take It to the Limit, Timothy B. Schmidt uh, got a call from Don Henley and Glenn Fry, and he joined the Eagles. So not only did he take his place in Poco, he took his place in the Eagles as well. <laughs> And he, he contributed to it, and uh, he wrote The Long Run and uh, Love Will Set You Free with the Eagles. Both of them on the Long Run album came out in – it was recorded in 79. I think it came out in 80. You know what I'm wondering? The Eagles song Tequila Sunrise. Just which, another come, Tequila Sunrise. Did that come first or did the drink come first? Uh, I actually don't know. Let's see here. I'm almost positive the drink is. Uh, yeah, it's actually they they wrote it about the drink. It says the drink would, was very popular when that came out. I so. absolutely would. I I don't believe it, but anyway. Off the uh, off the Desperado album. Oh yeah, I knew that. Another great song. Desperado. That that actually was I think one of the worst selling albums besides the Long Run. The Long Run is actually one of my favorite albums by them though. But it doesn't matter because I think to this day. The Eagles' greatest hits album is the highest selling album of all time, even like more than Thriller. And so there's, oh, like, yeah, yeah, it's like crazy. Yeah. And people like complain about it because it's the greatest hits, but like it doesn't matter. Like that's what I'm saying. It's the greatest hits, but they, they still are like leaving out, I think, 
it's either one or two albums off of it still that are like the long run love will set you free um in the city uh sung by joe walsh is is uh i think that's in long run that might be in hotel california actually not positive i can't remember life in the fast lane but you know, also is a great thing about the Eagles that they all harmonize very well. I think that's the crazy thing. The Eagles is one of those bands where they literally have four lead singers. They have everybody in the band had, took the lead on at least one song, but you have Don Henley who had a good uh, solo career. He's one of the uh, lead singers, main singers. He sings on a bunch of songs. Uh, you have Glenn Fry that is sings on most of the songs, takes the lead. Uh, you have Timothy B. Schmidt on bass, sings Love Will Set You Free, The Long Run, etc., etc. Rennie Meisner singing uh, Take It to the Limit uh, on bass. Joe Walsh singing uh, In the City. And uh, what's another one that he sings in the Eagles? Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. But yeah. A lo he... Lost World Jurassic Park. No, but even in and Don Felder even sang lead sang lead on uh on their songs when he was in the band, and I can't think of any songs that Bernie Ledden sang off the top of my head, but I guarantee he sang some because he he wrote he co-wrote a lot of the songs, and usually how it went with the Eagles is that whoever you know wrote it sang it. <laughs> uh well, I just literally just found one that Bernie Ledden co-wrote, uh, but he didn't sing "Witchy Woman." Yeah, that was uh. That's off their first album. That's off Eagles, I believe. I think that is the first track. Is that the first track on that album? Off Eagles? I don't, I don't know. I think it is. I'll find out. I think it is. Um, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure it is. The internet will tell me. Uh, no, the first song is uh, Take It Easy. Take It Easy. Okay. Witchy Dude. Woman's the second. Jesus. Boy, I just lost all credibility. Not... Anywho, so, all right, John, give me give me a DAS. Give me another DAS. Well, I'm going to have to go with Aranoid by Black Sabbath. That has uh, War Pigs. Paranoid. And <laughs> uh, Iron Man. So, you ever play War Pigs on, like, Rock Band or Guitar Hero? Mm-hmm. You get a finger cramp. It's oh, a yeah. long one. It's hard. It's good. Yeah, they're great. Um, well, you gotta appreciate it. like obviously Ozzy singing, but Tony Iommi on guitar. Like, dude, his story's nuts. Like, so he worked in a factory, and yeah, dude, right. he got the tips of his fingers cut off, and so he made these thimbles that he put on there at the end of his fingers. So that's like how he got like some of his like iconic like finger tappings and shit like that. Like. I don't know. I, I that's just like crazy. Like a lot of people, like I, I'm a guitar player. I got my fingers tips chopped off. Like I'm done. He's like, nah, dude. I will just. Isn't it great how rip. like little things like that, um, like kind of just like make a sound. Like the way he plays, you can tell it's him playing. Same thing with John Fushandi and the Chili Peppers. Like he could be in any band. Put him in any band. Uh, you know that it's John Fushandi on guitar. Uh, same thing with like Brian May and I mean Brian May's get his sound because he made his own guitar when he was 12 years old with his dad out of old furniture and his 
his uh his whammy bars a bicycle kickstand like it was made out of basically scrap wood and old furniture big red his uh his guitar which uh, speaking of guitar hero that's what the original guitar hero guitar was modeled after was brian may's uh big red uh guitar and he plays with like a a, a pence piece is it like a six pence i don't i don't know i don't know uh the uk currency but it, it's he plays with a pence instead of a pick yeah, Brian May uses a six pence coin instead of a guitar pick, and he kind of gets his iconic sound from that as well. No, well, what's cooler than using the the coin or whatever is the fact that uh, Brian May is a fucking rocket scientist, and his dad and him designed the guitars themselves. So no one else in the world has guitars that sound like Brian May. Oh yeah, he built his own guitar when he was twelve. Him and his dad. Yeah, that's his his big red guitar. Yeah, and built it. When he was 12. What were you doing when you were 12? Still probably pooping your pants. Basically, I was. Um, <laughs> also, uh, another cool thing about Queen... All right, so we got to talk... I mean, you can name any album off of Queen. Uh, they're they're all dope as shit. They're all dope News as shit. News of the albums. world. Yeah. They're, they're uh, Live Aid performance, obviously. Like, yeah. Yeah, but if you're going with like albums, it'd probably have to be News of the World, right? Actually, speaking of Queen, you know Queen is like um, the only rock band. I don't want to. I don't want to say the only because now I, I haven't been keeping up with it. I'll definitely say the first. I'm still gonna say the only. The first and the only rock band to have all members of the band write a number one hit. Uh, John Deacon, Roger Taylor, Brian May, Freddie Mercury individually all wrote a number one hit for the band, and they're also Pretty really, and all four members also have a de- uh, a college degree. I don't know if they're the only. Well, they're definitely probably not the only band now, but back then they probably were the first band to ha- to be recognized for that. And they are one of the first bands to be recognized as like a stadium band where that would consistently sell out stadiums. Cause really before this, before them, it was just like arenas and, you know, parks and festivals and stuff that you'd sell out consistently. But then they, they were arenas. They were Wembley stadium. They were the football fields, you know, they were three river stadium, but they were, they were a stadium band, like Shea stadium and shit. Do you like Journey? Yeah. <laughs> so hey, do, you re- do you remember? Don't you remember my mom's van when we'd go out to those hockey games in Murraysville? That was the only CD that was in there because it was stuck <laughs> yeah, in the CD player. Yeah, it was stuck the in there. Journey Greatest Hits. And Jonas was pissed because that was his <laughs> Journey Greatest Hits album. <laughs> actually, yeah. I actually remember the first time I drove uh, Jonas, like in my you and Jonas in my car. Yeah. I, I, the first song was Wheels in the Sky, and he was fucking rocking yeah. out to it. I remember that. I always, I when I think of Jonas, I think of uh, winning championships, scoring goals, and wheels in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. Um, but Escape and Frontiers are two Journey albums that are dope as shit. I've been. I here's the thing. Uh, being as young as I, well, I'm not that young, but um, certainly not old. But, I ain't as old as I once was, but I'm old once as I ever was. It's a good one. It's a good old Toby Keith reference. But <laughs> I, I, I seen three of their concerts, including, you know, I, I mentioned before in a pre- previous podcast that I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony because they were inducted with Pearl Jam. Um, but even uh, 
with their uh, with Steve Perry not taking the lead with that uh, uh, Pineda. It was his name, Ar- Arnell Pineda. They still the fan that like yeah. yeah. So yeah, the, the they need a new lead singer. They found him on YouTube. He won and uh, he like won like a, a journey sing singing contest in the Philippines. And they hit him up. It was like you want to join? But yeah, it's Arnel Pineda, something like that. Uh, they put on a fucking awesome show still. And actually, I think it's like not better, but like just as good because he's like super young compared to them and he brings mm-hmm. like this whole energy still so like they're still playing like it's like 1984 that's good but dude i got one last dopest shit album that i, I could think of because there's i'm sure there's a shit ton else out there but who's next by the who the who yeah you got bab o'reilly bargain that's like another thing i was getting into the who is yeah, but on the, everybody... on the other side of the album they got uh Behind blue eyes, and we won't get fooled again. Behind blue eyes. I heard you you like the uh, Limb Biscuit cover better. Uh, who's that? Uh, Kevin Durster. It's Fred Durst. Fred Durst. <laughs> I don't even care. He was the type of dude that would wear a red Yankees hat, and that tells you everything you need to know about that person. So when the Undertaker for the WWE was coming out to uh, keep on rolling, uh, by Limp Bizkit, and uh, you know the, y'all are loving that shit right here. And the WWE uh, wanted to put, you know, because it's his entry song, he they wanted to put it in the video game, so they needed to get separate rights. They already had they they got permission to use it like during like you know the live shows and stuff. But they mm-hmm. needed extra permission, like a different contract or whatever, for the video game. And one of Fred Durst's stipulations for them using it in the video game was that he had to be in the video game. And I think I can't remember. I I don't think it was No Mercy. Uh, I can't remember which. Um, it might have been WrestleMania 2000 with The Rock on the cover. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it wasn't No Mercy, but uh, it, it it was definitely for N64 as well. And uh, he was in the game, like on the roster, Fred Durst, as Fred Durst. <laughs> he had like a whole move set and everything. So that was his, one of his stipulations. And to this day, it was like one of the most like regrettable things that WWE has done. They should have never gave into that. I don't know. They've done some pretty regrettable things. <laughs> but, um, yeah. call it a bargain. But when, you, when you're talking about the who, like, there's so many artists. Uh, that their uh, inspiration and like their idols is the Who, you know, Pete Townsend, Eddie Vedder is a huge. He's friends with Pete Townsend, a huge Pete Townsend friend, uh, fan. Uh, same thing with Chris Cornell. Same with a lot of other bands and other musicians. Like the Who is the Who. The Who's is like Jim Morrison and the Doors. Like if you play music, uh you're going to draw inspiration. Even Billy Joel drew inspiration from the who. And even when they were playing at the same time, because Billy Joel never liked the sound of his voice. And he always wrote songs with other people in mind. That's what he wanted. He wanted just to be a songwriter, but no one would buy a song. So he was like, fuck it. I'll sing it myself. <laughs> <laughs> like only the good die young was originally written as a reggae song. I'm not even lying. It was like, come out to Virginia. Don't let me wait. I'm dead serious. He wrote it as a reggae song with Bob Marley in mind. I would 
I would have definitely hated it. There would never been that period of time where I liked that song then. <laughs> but um, it all comes full circle hey, with only the good. But who, one. if if you want uh, Halloween's right around the corner, October is going to be in a couple days here. Boris the Spider by the Who, good Halloween song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know All if you right. were interested. <laughs> but anyways, so I was just saying this just for the viewers that when we have conversations like this, absolutely, positively chime in, uh, email us, get in the comments section, do whatever, contact us. Um, you can contact us uh, via email at first, the number one, and then of the day at gmail.com on Twitter at first, the number one of the day. YouTube is first one of the day with Sean P. Spotify is first one of the day. Uh, um, stop by. Sean's address is first one of the day at first one of the day dot com road. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dr- definitely if drop in on the conversation, add to our topics. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us what we got right. Uh, I'm gonna let you in on a secret, Sean. I ain't ever been wrong my whole entire life, and I'm not gonna start right now. I'll tell you one thing. I never wrong, and I'm not always right. But here, but yeah, yeah. Drop us, drop us a comment. Drop us anything you want. Um, give us a topic to talk about. If you want to go more in detail about anything, uh, if you want to hear more about from John Hunter, he has his own podcast called Horror Vision. John, where can they find Horror Vision? On the internet. Look it up. The internet. Type in those keys. We brought, yeah, we we we're on pretty much everything: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, you got, got the YouTube there. So yeah, if you like horror movies, that's what happens on Horror Vision, John's podcast. He talks about horror movies, reviews them. Uh, I review the shit out of them. Yeah, I'm on there a lot, so if you want to hear more for John and, and me... And he reviews um, the shit out of them. And if you like horror movies, Halloween's coming up. Uh, so that's definitely going to be a good podcast to... And we'll review the shit out of them. We'll review the shit out of them. Also, I heard uh, John's going to be doing some giveaways with his podcast, so definitely uh, uh, to I'm going to give away my whole computer. Anyone wants it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, that's going to be it uh, for us here on First One of the Day. I uh, just want to tell everyone out there, don't be churlish. Keep it fresh. Have a good one. Listen to the outro music. <laughs>